Welcome to Diet Culture Dropout. Are you ready to drop out of the $72 billion narrative that you've been sold? Diet culture sells us lies, unattainable beauty standards, the narrative that your body's inadequate, and dictates how you should define your health. It is pervasive, oppressive, and damaging to all areas of our health. By dropping out of diet culture, we can together celebrate all bodies, work towards dismantling weight stigma, and stop the transgenerational trauma of body shame and dieting. I'm your host, Athena Brown, a non-diet and body-inclusive registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, yoga teacher, and a mom of two strong-willed daughters. My passion is helping people heal their relationship with their body and food so they can live a full life without restrictions, size limits, or food rules. I also desperately want to change the narrative for our kids so they can be the first generation that never diets, has resilience in our body-obsessed world, and a positive relationship with food. This podcast is a safe space for exploration, mindful moments, and take-home practices for anyone looking to find food peace and body liberation. Please remember that this is for educational purposes only and does not replace medical advice from your primary care provider, therapist, or registered dietitian. I am so happy you're here. I want you to know that wherever you are in your food and body peace journey, that there is room at this table for you. You are so worthy, just as you are right now. Welcome back to Diet Culture Dropout. I'm so excited you're here and I'm hoping you are looking forward to the holiday season. It is definitely approaching really fast and sometimes it is a big whirlwind where our schedules get loaded and we're just kind of going through the motions of one family dinner, one event to the next, and we can feel really drained. A lot of times when we're in stressful states or in environments that are not our usual people, family, supportive environment that's maybe supporting us on our food freedom journey, it can be really triggering. Um, there's lots of characters in our families and friend groups that may not be totally aligned with kind of your new journey that you're taking in dropping out of diet culture. So today's episode is my top eight tips for managing the holiday season when you're working towards food freedom. So these are kind of the most common things that come up for people and just some gentle suggestions on how to navigate them while trying your hardest to stand your ground. So the holidays definitely brings people together. We're kind of in this post-COVID period, I'm not even really sure what we're calling it, but we haven't really been as social as maybe we were historically. And this is maybe the first holiday season we're looking forward to where we're getting back to a lot of those normal um, parties, events, those types of things with family and friends. So here we go. We'll kick it off. The first one is number one, making a plan. So if you're going solo, if you're going with your family, encouraging you to kind of do some mental prep planning with your partner, whoever you're going with to this event for 
for various reasons. One, to just kind of give yourself this understanding of kind of that time tolerance that you'll be having and just setting yourself up for success. So asking yourself, what period of time are we going to be staying at the event for? If it's a very big extended family event, um, there's generally people that aren't really supportive in your food freedom journey. Maybe we could decide to go a little bit shorter of a time than, you know, a full day type thing. So deciding with your partner, how long you're going to stay. Um, if there's anything supportive that you can bring, that's going to make you feel more comfortable, whether that's wearing an outfit that is a little bit more stretchy if we're participating in any food eating and enjoying different family recipes, things like that. So wearing comfortable clothing and then also maybe bringing food. So if that makes you feel a little bit more comfortable in terms of contributing something, I don't know if we're doing a potluck, um, if you have a food allergy, something like that, that's just kind of that safe comforting thing that you kind of know that one of the dishes out of the potluck meal tonight will be something that is kosher essentially with um, your food allergies. So making a plan and communicating it. The next one, when you kind of open that door and arrive, generally some families and some friends love to make some body comments. So it's kind of the next one. So people commenting on your body. So in the moment, I know there's nothing you can really plan for that to kind of land on you. So just some gentle suggestions on responses. So even just being open saying, I'd rather we not focus on my body, please. Let's talk about something more interesting. Maybe share how it's making you feel. So this makes me feel very uncomfortable. Can we not talk about this today? How about we take this up into the kitchen and kind of changing that subject? So ignoring the comment, changing the topic. Um, another helpful suggestion is removing yourself from the place, the location, shifting if we can. And again, changing that topic. Can we talk about something else? Offering us to focus on something else than people's bodies. The next one is around when we're maybe sitting at the dinner table. There's maybe family members encouraging your kids to kind of subscribe to certain eating food rules that they maybe had within their home or for their kids. So a classic one is encouraging your child um, to finish their meal or their vegetables before having dessert or being able to leave the table. This was a, I know a very common one when I was a child and um, it sometimes is reminded when I'm with my family, with, with my kids when we're eating. So again, this is an external person telling your child to kind of subscribe to this rule. So as the parent, you're kind of their biggest advocate and maybe in the response of focusing on or trying something new at home where Johnny can really decide what food order he eats. And he's been really good at listening to his hunger and fullness. So we're going to let him decide what he's having next and what he's most excited to eat. And then I think in that moment, it's good to kind of talk to your child as well too, you know, being like, it's okay, you can have X, Y, Z, you know, whatever's happening. Maybe you're going with them up to the, and going back to kind of a smorgasbord potluck type idea in my head here, but just going with them and saying, you know, you can try whatever you want today. It's your choice. It's your body. Just kind of reminding them those key messages that we use in the home. Um, you know, we, we don't have the rule of eating 
foods in certain orders. You decide. You're the boss of your body. And then that really kind of puts the kid into maybe a more comfortable place where there's maybe not that power imbalance if it's like a grandparent or a beloved aunt or uncle or something like that. And then if it's, you know, something that keeps continuing, depending on how many family events you have with these people, you know, maybe it's having like an adult side conversation with this person explaining kind of that you're trying to raise this intuitive eater that is really making their decisions about food and that you trust them and that they are really good at doing this. So if we could maybe not comment on that and just let them be, that would be most supportive and that you would really appreciate that. Because sometimes people really don't know what's happening in everyone's houses, right? And this is a nuance for for a lot of people. I talk about a lot with clients how this generational kind of cycle of, you know, what we did as kids then flourished into like what you did for your kids. And the cycle kind of continues around food and eating and body image and, and dieting, all of these things. So you're really being radical by breaking kind of the cycle. So it's going to take some time. It's going to be a little sticky. Some family members are, you know, a little or a lot more receptive and open than others. And just remind yourself as well as a parent that, you know, this family gathering holiday situation isn't something that happens every day. So you can quickly repair following and that tip's coming up soon. All right, the next one. So for tip number four, when people are sharing or talking about their latest diet or what they're like signing up for, we have all these new year's resolutions that are usually encouraged at this time period as well. So that kind of coming up in conversation, how to kind of navigate that. So again, similar to the body talk comments, if we can change the topic and, you know, move location, shift then that's, you know, one way is ignoring it. But if you are feeling a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more brave, you know, and they're maybe inquiring, like, what's your input or what are your news resolutions? You know, you could say I'm working on unlearning diet culture and making peace with food or trying really hard not to focus on dieting this year and instead making peace with my body or dieting just didn't work for me. And it left me always blaming myself. So I won't be participating or subscribing to that this year. Or maybe you change the topic to your New Year's resolutions, which is something other than changing or morphing your body, shape or size. So maybe you're going to learn a new language. Maybe we're going to take up horseback riding. Maybe you're going to try a yoga class for the first time. I'm not really sure, but maybe you can focus on those and the why behind why you're kind of setting these resolutions. If you feel comfortable, of course, with sharing. Number five, how to manage those food critics or food pushers. So they could also be the the food police, the food plate judgers. Not sure how we want to coin these people, but people that are you know, pushing the food on you, whether it's desserts, maybe it's the turkey. Um, Classically, I know at our family table, the meat is always pushed on the men, like have more of this, have more of this. Um, Those would be food pushers or someone saying, you know, you must try it. You didn't even eat very much, you know, have some more, have some more. Or maybe they're saying, how on earth do you have so much willpower? Wow, that's a big plate. Maybe they're judging how much volume's on your plate 
or commenting on like a specific food, maybe it's potatoes that you put on your plate, that's a big heaping of potatoes. So kind of that judgment around what you're consuming and how you're enjoying your meal right now, those people, the food critics, the food police. So my first suggestion is to be observant and just acknowledge that this usually has more to deal with their own insecurities and it's more on them and they're kind of projecting it right onto you. And again, you do not ever have to explain your eating choices to others. That could be the end of that point there. (laughs) And then encouraging you to take the step further by identifying kind of what inner voice this may be exciting inside you. Are you kind of having that inner child, which is triggering that like rebellion, like, well, I'm going back for more potatoes after this lady, or is it some negative self-talk that's kind of triggering this disordered eating voice saying, oh, you're right. I should cut back. I should, 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 you're shooting on yourself. Or is it maybe this compassionate voice saying, you are doing the best you can, you're honoring your hunger, you are doing a great job at navigating this or whatever compassionate phrases that are coming. Or maybe it's the cheerleader that's encouraging you on this food freedom journey and kind of having this sense of pride and ownership of, yeah, yeah, I am having a second piece of pie and I'm enjoying it. You know, what kind of food voice is coming up? And then, you know, responding. So trying to take a pause, trying not to get super engulfed or upset about it, because again, this is their own projection they're putting onto you. I'm really enjoying dinner. Thanks for having us, but my body's telling me I'm done or I'm too full right now. No, thank you. I'm fine. Maybe you're offering um, to take a piece home to enjoy it another time so that they're still, you know, getting grandma's favorite recipe sent home with you. That could be an alternative saying things like, no, thank you. I'm full, but I would love to hear how you made it. Is this a family recipe? Who taught you how to make this? So the topic is still staying on the food and is still kind of connecting over that food, understanding that food history and people generally love to talk about it, especially if it's a very complicated thing that took them a lot of time and effort. I would be proud of that too, right? Other phrases, I'm doing a good job at honoring my hunger right now. I didn't ask for your opinion on my plate. That could be something if we're feeling a little bit more strong-willed. Um, another one, part of unlearning diet culture is giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. I'm so thankful I'm working on this or towards food freedom. With the potato comment, I'm making peace with carbs. They are so delicious. They make me feel so much better when I eat them. I'm less hangry. <laughs> And then kind of internally to yourself, remembering that your intake does not define you. Food is meant to be enjoyed, is meant to bring you satisfaction. And sometimes it's challenging, especially in these family environments or holiday environments to go past the point of fullness. And that's okay. Again, kind of bringing it back to this doesn't happen every single day that we're having these holiday events, right? It's a special time of year. And again, this year, because of all the COVID restrictions, historically, we're really probably coming to these starved for this like social interaction and this connection. So just bringing it back to a place of self-compassion if we can. Okay, that one is a really hard one because there can be all types of characters that are the the commenters. 
In terms of number six, so this is kind of that repair suggestion. You know, if you are traveling to these holiday events with kids, diet culture comes up, food rules come up. Maybe, you know, Auntie Jane is talking about her new diet that she's doing or her weight loss success, whatever it is. I think it's really important to have a conversation with your kids following the event because we know that they're always listening and the biggest way that they learn is from role modeling. Just remember that, you know, even though they're little and they may not understand kind of doing some air quotes here, they're still listening. They're still understanding that there's this discrepancy at home and maybe at Auntie Jane's house, etc. I think it's really important for parents to talk to their kids about how people, adults in general, don't always agree on the same topics. And that's okay. People can have different opinions. People can have, you know, different ideas of what color hair they have. And that's okay. Everybody's allowed to do what's best for them and their bodies. And then kind of asking them some questions, especially if they bring it up or are kind of asking or confused about it, you know, how did that make you feel when Auntie Jane made that comment about reducing her dessert intake or cutting Sally off from having another piece of pie or whatever? Get their understanding of how it felt for them and really trying to validate that. What did you find confusing? they usually have pretty good insight of noticing things being different, right? And then kind of coming back to your family beliefs and values, you know, in our home, we believe that all bodies are good bodies, that all foods provide nourishment, all foods are good foods, that you can listen to what your body is telling you. It's usually very, very smart. And we don't need to always tell our bodies what to do. Our brains a lot of the times like to be the bosses, but in the case of eating, it's listening more to our bodies and how it's making us feel. And sometimes we don't always get it right. Sometimes we miscalculate, we undereat, sometimes we overcalculate. You know, that's all part of that learning experience. And then to just kind of roping it, tying it together with, you know, our bodies are not the most important thing about us. And really just trying to come back to those family values. But doing that repair, I think, is really important because it's very easy to kind of get engulfed in the next thing following. And it can be really confusing for kids. So always having that open dialect if you can. Number seven, this could be something that happens before or maybe after the holiday event. It could be before all the events start, (laughs) maybe the middle of December, you're working on this, but it's making a body gratitude list. And this I think is really important, especially for people that, you know, are kind of in the know of how their family dynamics usually are and just trying to get you to think about it before. And then maybe it would be best supportive if you revisit following the family gathering or friend gathering, whatever it is. Some suggestions for your body gratitude list are, what are some amazing things my body has allowed me to do? What are some amazing places I've been able to explore and experience because of my body? What has my body protected me from or overcame? Where in my body needs some self-compassion and love? How can I show it respect this upcoming week? 
That's kind of the classic questions I have on my body gratitude list that I give to clients. And I think it's important to kind of focus on gratitude as much as we can, because it really shifts our perspective, especially when we're having a bad body image moment, or we kind of experience some stress, some emotions that kind of want us to taking it out on ourselves. After we go to an event, we have some critical comments made that can trigger a lot of disordered eating patterns for a lot of people. And just reminding yourself that taking it out on yourself is not managing these difficult feelings you're having right now and that your body is not the problem. A lot of times we just think that if we had a little bit more control that we could, we could fix these problems. So just trying to take a pause, take a breath and sorting through kind of this body gratitude list, I think would be supportive. So that is number seven, making that body gratitude list. And then number eight, I think is one of my favorite ones that I didn't even realize how supportive it could be until I started engaging in it. And it it really makes a lot of sense. And this one is making a post self-care plan. So we know that socializing for many people can be very difficult, can be draining and can be exhausting, obviously. And it can also be very triggering. So going into this event, making a plan, how are we, you know, only going to go for X number hours and what are we going to do following that's going to be supportive, that's going to be filling your cup, that's going to be neutralizing the situation, kind of allowing yourself a pause and a rest before we're moving into the next steps of what we're doing. These don't have to be huge gestures like booking a full day spa appointment or going for a massage, but maybe we're taking some alone time and we're, you know, doing a gentle guided meditation that could be five minutes. Maybe we're going to make a warm cup of tea, maybe a hot chocolate. We're going to sit under our Christmas tree in silence and just enjoy. Maybe we're going to dive into that book. Maybe we're going to do that body gratitude list. Maybe we're going to have kind of a debriefing conversation with our partner or taking a bath or doing anything that is supportive and cup filling for yourself. Just acknowledging that these situations are difficult for a lot of people and they can really derail people's progress in, in finding food freedom. But the more we can take a pause, we can rest and do some self-care. We're really nurturing our body, acknowledging those emotions and having kind of a plan of attack to decompress following the event. So those are my top eight tips. I hope you find those supportive. And in the end, you are the only one in charge of your thoughts, your behaviors, and your actions, right? We can't change other people and we can't change the ways that, you know, they choose to manage their bodies, how they subscribe to, you know, unattainable beauty standards or have them unlearn diet culture. It's not your job to convince people what you are doing is best and supportive for you. Only you can know this and honor it. Of course, absolutely. This is going to be very triggering and frustrating as a non-diet dietitian who's been helping people work towards food freedom, I still, yeah, have family members, extended, you know, in-laws, things like that, that have no idea um, 
what kinds of things I do and, and how they kind of still trigger me and how it can be frustrating. I think over time and as your food freedom journey gets stronger, you will become less triggered of these comments. You will be able to navigate these better as you would have had some practice, right? We know that Auntie Deb loves talking about dieting, right? We usually know people's styles of communication and how they like to connect from social interactions with them, right? So the more we can practice, the more we can be building that self-efficacy when we are able to ignore a comment or change a topic or simply say, I don't want to talk about this. That's slowly making progress forward for yourself. And it's also going to maybe one day have them, oh yeah, right. Athena doesn't like talking about body comments or something like that. Maybe not though, right? But at least you'll have more practice and some more self-efficacy when you do go to act. You will be able to more firmly stand your ground because you internally will deeply know that this works best for you and supports the healing for you. You are the only one in charge of your own thoughts, behaviors, and emotions. And a big part of all of this, intuitive eating, improving your body image, coming to a place of more body liberation, a big bedrock to it is self-compassion for yourself, but also for other people. People who may or may not ever be ready to give up the diet, roller coaster, and that self-hate cycle. That's not on you. So extending lots of self-compassion, to yourself. Again, none of these topics are easy to navigate. So if we fumble, if we fall in a pothole, that's okay. This is all practice. We can learn from all of these situations and better prepare ourselves next time. I hope you found those supportive and I really hope you enjoy this holiday season and spend time with your family, with your friends, build those happy memories and really enjoy, enjoy your food, enjoy everything that this season has to offer. Cause I feel this year is extra special now that we're kind of coming out of the dark days of COVID. So enjoy. And I can't wait to connect and hear if any of these tips resonated deeply for you. I would love to hear. So let me know on my Instagram diet culture dropout podcast, or sending me a note, maybe a DM, whatever works best for you. Hope you have a wonderful holiday season and we'll talk soon in the new year. I hope you enjoyed listening to Diet Culture Dropout. If you like today's podcast, I would love for you to leave a review, share the episode with a friend, or subscribe. The more we can collectively break down diet culture, the closer we get to food peace and celebrating all bodies. Thanks for being here.